0: Let's Talk Care with Casper and Christy, produced in the Ed Center Auditorium. Opinions expressed by guests on the show are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the host or Prometica. Well, we're getting ready for Compliance Week coming up here, and we're lucky to have a few of our compliance officers here with us today. So why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves?
1: Hi, I'm Ryan Dolan. I'm the Director of Compliance for the Provider and Q-Care Division.
2: And I'm Janelle Mahoney. I am the Senior Compliance Educator. Awesome. All right. What is compliance?
1: Okay. So this is, I'm, I, I'm glad you brought this up, but it's the first question.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone hears it and we see education all the time and we see things coming out that says compliance on it. And I think people use the word a lot, but really what does that mean and what do you do?
1: So I think a large part of what we really do, when we say compliance, we mean regulatory compliance. And what does that mean? We mean the compliance laws and regulations like False Claims Act, Anti-Kickback Statute, Stark Law. Things that have to do with like fraud, waste, and abuse. Billing and coding is a part of that. I mean, that, that's our bread and butter of exactly what we do. We don't get into things like OSHA compliance. Okay. Um, we don't do quality. There's, there's different folks that do that. Part of the compliance team under our umbrella under Vivian does cover privacy, but that's its own special subsection that covers HIPAA. So yeah, we do a fair amount of stuff. So it's, it's hard to completely encapsulate. I mean, I think just as we've talked, we need to do a good job of how to differentiate between other teams and what is compliance, because that's such a general term. True. But our department is the compliance department. Yeah.
3: So. so when you hear compliance, we all think it's one group, one team delivering everything.
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's not necessarily, I, I mean, see. given to how it's presented to the frontline folks and stuff like that, because the word compliance is used by other departments, which isn't Wrong, necessarily, but we name the department compliance. Yeah, so it's, the lines get I get how it easily. gets confusing. So I think even just talking right now, I get how it might not even still be completely clear, but it's something that we're going to have to work on differentiating to make sure people know what's us and what's other people so they get the right resources that right. they need.
2: And it does get very confusing when you think of being compliant versus the compliance team. But being compliant, you can be compliant in a lot of things, but it may not be something that we're touching. You can be compliant in osha guidelines but we don't touch those osha pieces that's covered by the safe what department is that safety and quality Yeah, safety and quality and things like that and i think where a lot of the confusion came from was what you called out earlier the rapid regs education that went out many many years ago so because we had that one assignment that had so much different content encapsulated in it that all just became known as the compliance Mm-hmm. education that went out. So that really created a decent amount of confusion for people to just tie it all up into one confusing bundle.
1: I, I think, I don't know why, but how you said that kind of reminded me of a little bit more to elaborate on instead of just thinking, because then people say, well, what's any kickback statue? What's that? Things like scope of practice and licensure and what you can do and how you can practice. A lot of the things that involve your clinical workflow. Right? Not the clinical decision-making, but maybe how you document, what's required in the document to be mm-hmm. able to bill, some of the things that are required from a supervision standpoint. So a lot of how we practice and the workflows that are set up and the licensure that you have, that's compliance. There's regulations at a state and federal level that really govern and put guardrails around what folks can do and how to practice, because it, it all comes down to, there's I guess there's a quality and safety component to it, sure, but the other part is making sure there's good healthcare being provided because the federal government is what we're predominantly worried about federal state like medicare medicaid if they're going to pay for something right healthcare is a huge cost for the government they want to make sure that it's carried out a certain way so they produce a lot of rules and regulations that help govern that and the american healthcare apparatus is arguably the most heavily regulated industry maybe in the world i mean in america certainly i mean what's the only rival tax maybe and that's its own special thing but that's why i think that's part of why it is hard to explain and differentiate the pieces of parts because there's so many mm-hmm. and it is broken up a bit so again we're gonna have to do a better job of explaining that
2: and when it's hard for us to explain we can only imagine how confusing it must be for the employees at Prometica to understand what's going on here why do i need to be aware of this information how does it apply to me and especially right now we still have some of the pandemic hanging on we still have some of those cms waivers that are applied to the healthcare systems right now. And Ryan can explain that a bit more too, because that is also a factor that makes it confusing for physicians that are used to some of the regulations that have been in place for a long time. The waivers were relaxed a bit. Yeah. So that some things were allowed that weren't typically allowed because of the way that the healthcare system was affected by the pandemic.
0: You're spot on. We took advantage of some of those things, and I, I don't want to make that sound in a pejorative way, but you know, we did some research with stem cells at the beginning yes. of COVID, and the FDA had really loosened a lot of that regulatory environment because we didn't know what we didn't know, and we were exploring and trying to see, would these things, number one, be safe, and number two, would they improve the outlook of things? And we were able to do that because of some of the loosening of the compliance and regulatory environment at that time, it's gonna tighten back up for sure. It's interesting in healthcare, right? We always talk about compliance, mean, is the patient compliant? Mm-hmm. We they use it
3: very loosely. The word yes. "compliant" and "compliance" it's
0: we a generally an
1: like applicable term. You know? Yeah, it's
0: basically you know, are they following our direction of care, right? And the plan of care we put in place. You know, we used to always say it was doctors' orders. Now it's just doctors' suggestions, especially <laughs> with with Doctor Google out there. But that's a whole another commentary. But you, you mentioned anti kickback, Stark laws, some of these other things that I know a lot of the physicians are familiar with, but maybe the rest of our listeners aren't. I don't know if you want to elaborate on that a little bit, Ryan.
1: Yeah. So to put it in just simple terms, because there's a lot of nuance between the difference between Stark getting kickback the nuance of it but really to me I sum it up as the purpose of those laws is to keep healthcare patient centric like i was touching on that earlier government has resources they want it to be used in the most efficient way to take care of patients and any kickback and star club what they're really doing is when there's relationships and circumstances that are being created that's deviating from that patient care so any kickback example that prohibits someone from inducing someone by offering something of value right so that's not necessarily just money under the table that could be things like they get creative right that could be you know fair market value rent for office space is simplified terms two thousand dollars whatever, I'm gonna give it to you for 1000. You know, there's examples of that, or we'll pay in access of fair market value and how we contract, or we'll take you out and just provide you to like glamorous events and evenings and stuff like that. There's all kinds of things that end up inducing. So like a quid pro quo, this for that, and all of a sudden, referrals shift from maybe what the patient, all else aside, if we stayed patient centric, all of a sudden, we're starting to deviate a little bit. Right. I kind of talked a lot there.
0: I thought I was going to no. show. No, oh, good. But no, no. It's an analogy we say, right? If the whole, all you have is a new shiny yeah. hammer, the whole world's a nail. <laughs>
3: <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> really, where you need to focus on is where, instead of being patriot centric it becomes self-interest is more valuable in those instances. Yeah, Correct?
1: good way of putting it.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. so got it. Let me ask this. I mean, did you guys like wake up one day after your nap in kindergarten and go, I want to be a compliance officer. That sounds so cool. What was your path? How'd you get to that arena? And what do you love about it? Do you want to go first since I've
1: been talking?
2: Yeah, I'll go first. So the way that I found myself being a compliance educator was I was actually working at Toledo Hospital from 2012 to 2015 doing patient admissions in the transitional care unit. And I was helping with admissions for a transitional care unit, the Gerlich Center, flower rehab, and I decided to go for my master. So I left Prometica and returned on the EPIC training team. So I came in as an EPIC trainer. I realized that I enjoyed the training aspect. I really enjoyed creating the presentations and putting the content together and talking to people and helping them understand a potentially stressful and confusing situation and helping them understand it. And I saw the opening for the compliance department as their compliance educator, and I thought, Well, that is a potentially stressful situation Mm -hmm. that I could help with. And when I talked to the department, I realized how unique compliance is that it sits in its little spot where it can oversee the whole organization. It's very interesting. And there are so many ways that I see this role being able to help people and set them up for success rather than confusing them, where I feel like compliance is such a potentially confusing situation. And I just want to help people understand it and just get the tools that they need out of it, because I really feel like it is a strong way to give benefit to the company. There's so much that can go wrong, and there's so much detriment that can come to both the company and the patients and employees. So I just want to help people. And this is where I found myself.
1: You're you're our creative translator. Yes. I mean, you are. Yeah.
2: I'm more of the creative side of the compliance app department.
1: (laughs) For sure. And I guess on the outset, I'll just say my brain is an enigma that I still don't understand. So yeah, it wasn't like I woke up and I wanted to do any particular thing. I've always had a pretty broad range of interests growing up and also in my educational background. I I wanted to give myself options, I suppose. But one thing I always found myself gravitating towards is I always like to understand the details on how something works I like to get sort of the full spectrum. How, what are the nuts and bolts, and how do you build off of that and to make the whole apparatus move, whatever that, that may be? Legal was always a part of that, potentially, and then sort of business. So my undergrad background is in economics and philosophy. And then I went to law school, and I did JD, MBA, so I kept it.
3: That is three so different... I can-
1: parts of the spectrum i'm weird <laughs> okay i just said just I, I, economics
3: and philosophy is like
1: yeah my brain is split in two i don't know so i think it's kind of like it's a lot like janelle where it, it wasn't necessarily the subject matter but compliance and i've been in compliance i started at paramount then i came over here i've been in the legal department as an attorney by trade and have come back in the last almost year and a half and a big part of it is Like the research, even though it can get really technical, it is hard. I like to figure it out. Like it's one of those, I got 15 tabs open on the computer. All right, I got it. And then the magical part that's also the most frustrating part is, all right, I have to synthesize this in a way that I understand and that I can communicate to other people. And then in the act of doing that and the way we set ourselves up, trying to be more proactive and stuff like that, is we go to different leadership meetings or we're a part of different projects. So we get to be a piece of that building process, Mm -hmm. ideally. That's awesome.
0: And you can imagine how much, right? The rest of us, when we hear the word compliance, we think of that as a barrier yes. to what we're trying to do. And no offense, right? But all the departments of no, I like to say, you know, but uh, yeah, people are risk, that, compliance, compliance. no, nope, can't do that. No, nope, can't do that. <laughs> but I do think, you know, Ryan, and I know we've done this in different areas working with you is that putting the different pieces to the puzzle together. It's really a question of just saying, okay, what's the ultimate goal that we're trying to achieve and how do we make sure that that's done in a compliant manner?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, if I can give a quick example of like sort of the difference. So I work a lot in telehealth, especially, and that went from like a small little niche area in 18 and 19 to like, holy crap, mm-hmm. in 2020. And I've always worked with it ever since then. So historically, and this is where like the perception of compliance could be like, oh, here comes the no people. Like I had a third, I remember this, I had a Thursday afternoon meeting. This is like late 18, early 19. Four o'clock Thursday, someone wants to implement a new project. Basically, I think we were kind of a little bit of a checkbox at the end. No judgment here for now. You know, it was a long time ago, but it ended up being, okay, we're doing this, this, and this. And I just, I sort of walk them through Medicare, Medicaid requirements because it was in Ohio and obviously Medicare is a big part of it. And as I walk through that, I'm like, okay, I'm not saying no necessarily on what you want to do, but I said, hey, is Medicare a predominant payer within your payer mix? like, Or is that really not? Because that could have dictated like, okay, well, you can still do what you want to do because it complies with commercial payers or their own animal. But like, you're not going to be able to bill for Medicare. And they're like, excuse what? We can't? Oh, compliance is telling us we can't do something. It's like, well, you won't be paid for it. What's the payer mix? Like, well, that's more than half. I'm like, okay, well, when do you want to go live? Maybe we can try to make this a project. We're going live Monday. I just said it's Thursday afternoon. We're going live Monday here. I'm like, well, so that's, that's probably a perception on like compliance you know whereas like more recently now that there's a telehealth institute shout out stephanie and latoya the directors they're really good about building out projects and and bringing me and our team in to the point where there's a project they're working on now where they're like hey we want to do this can we do it like this or there's some things we need to consider or what's the problem and did a bunch of research on the like beginning part like hey this is kind of problematic and for this payer it might be But if you don't include controlled substances and for these payers, the patient has to be seen annually. Otherwise, you can be pretty well virtual most of the time. They're like, that's great. It's a little bit different than what we thought. But now we can, from here, frame exactly what we Mm -hmm. want it to look like over the coming months before it actually pilots. So then it was like, oh, thanks, compliance. You helped us kind of frame up that piece of the puzzle. So now we have a direction on where we can go.
3: And that's, I mean, besides providing safe patient care, getting pay is an important piece of this. Mm-hmm. It turns into the, one of those things that's the elephant in the room. Like, no one wants to think about being in healthcare to make money. Right. But to continue to get the new equipment and provide the supplies and have the staff and... The things the staff want.
0: Well, it's a great example. You bring that up, right? Here we are starting in this new arena, a new way to deliver healthcare. And if you go down that wrong path or without compliance's input and help with the structure, you know then it's costing us more money. Not just because we're not getting paid, but we're chasing down denials that we're not compliant with and we'll it. have
3: to redo all that work anyways right to be able to set up the structure to get paid
0: and how many resources do we expend doing that whereas if we design it right in the front end obviously it goes much smoother
1: absolutely yeah mm-hmm.
0: that was a shameless plug for you guys right
1: <laughs> hey we don't get many shameless plugs so we'll take paid. them when we absolutely. can get them <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs>
3: You know probably i don't know it's 2019 maybe we used to have vendors come in all the time and bring us free food pins, offer to take us out to educational dinners wine flesh. and dine their company would put on golf outings or they would do wine tastings and the staff when that policy came out that that was no longer allowed oh and a lot of those businesses would buy lunch during nurses week or during nursing assistant week, when that was not allowed anymore, staff had a hard time understanding why, because they were not getting anything financially. They were getting pizza or you know a free pin or anything like that. How did you guys as team kind of play into that, or were you even involved?
1: Yeah, I think there was a bit of a multi-team approach, but there's definitely compliance related, and it really depends on who's providing what. And, I mean, the pharmaceutical industry, like the pharmacy team was had a huge part in that acute care policy that is. I mean, it's pretty strict, but in large part, the industry changed a lot. And there's a lot of enforcement on stuff like that. To say like unequivocally things can't be done like little, you know, small gifts or or little things, it is still possible. There's just more rules around it than there used to be, unfortunately. And that's just one of those things where it's like we have to adapt to where the industry is going and what the OIG officer of inspector general, they enforce a lot of rules. They come out with opinions that really illustrate like why they made the decision to to sort of bust somebody for why they did. So I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to say like nothing can ever happen. It's just a lot different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we did have opposite of shameless plug. We, we had involvement in that. Well, I don't
3: think it's bad. It actually, you know, when I first heard the policy was coming out, the first thing I thought of was like, oh my gosh, you know, the staff gets so few little th- things and a lot of these vendors come in and give them, free lunch and stuff like that. But right. when f- they made it at, at the leadership meeting, when they said, you know, for just pharmaceutical costs, pharmaceutical costs are out of the control in this country. And if we accept free gifts and things like that from them and food and drinks, we're not contributing to cutting those costs for our patients. And so like that perspective really kind of opened my eyes right then and there when they said that. So that's kind of like what I stuck with the entire time.
1: Well, I think reach out too to see cause some of the examples you led are things that we could potentially work through. Like, if a vendor brings in a box of bagels that are worth a, a buck per person, that's a lot different than going out to dinner and whining and dining. So, like, I think reaching out, we can work through it. I think you'd be surprised that sometimes things can happen, things can work. So, just reach out to us. You know, I think we always have to do a fact by fact analysis who's mm-hmm. providing it, what is it, where is it, that kind of a thing. And I will say that whole policy about gifts, anyway, has even this year evolved a little bit in terms of mostly in like the SDOH grants, that sort of realm, that sort of an emerging area. And what can you provide to who, when? Because to do a research project, sometimes people have to be incentivized. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's built into the grant or for SDOH. that's a whole different thing that there's a lot of new emerging areas. So it's definitely dynamic. It's changing.
0: It's interesting. And you talk about that. We went to that policy change as an organization around the same time that industry made some dramatic changes in that. I think, was it Avamed, was it called? When they basically shut down a lot of that entertaining, whining, dining, trinkets gifts those types of things so when they went that route obviously there was a big change what we've been able to do at jobs with some of that is as we've talked about the astronomical cost and medical devices and pharmaceuticals and what we spend on that we would have thought that would have come down a little bit since they were having a lot less expense on the wining dining social and marketing side, we didn't see those costs come down. But that being the case, they did put money away for whether it's research grants or education grants. And education grants are one area that we've been able to kind of tie in and say, okay, can you support this program that we're doing? And they'll come in and they'll not only support it financially, but they'll typically bring some bagels and some pens and that type of thing too. But more importantly, they bring educational materials, which help as well.
3: Yeah. Interesting. That's
0: that's compliant, isn't it? Guys? I think so. Okay, <laughs> given the, I mean, I'm sure we checked
1: live on live on pod. You know, I'm sure there's details to review, but in general, what you just said doesn't mm. doesn't sound too bad. Like like I said, a bagel and some and some pens and stuff like that is is something much smaller, much different. You know, depending on the circumstance that it arises right. in, but. Right.
2: Well, in my experience, when you say educational materials, as long as we're not talking textbooks, like college textbooks, which I know to be
1: quite expensive. $200 a book. (laughs) I've
3: never seen any vendors bring any textbooks to.
1: That that the bookstore won't (laughs) sell you or buy it back for any money at the end of the year? 50 cents. Yeah. It was worth $200 three months ago. Yeah. (laughs) I overdrafted it. It hasn't been (laughs) opened. Yeah. Yeah, I I I didn't use it. No, no. (laughs)
3: <laughs> so you mentioned if you know people have questions like that, they can reach out to you. What are some other things that you encourage people to reach out to you guys for?
1: We keep it pretty open-ended because we don't, again, we don't want to confuse people. We want people to know there's a resource. So even if it's not us, I mean, we want to communicate to make sure everyone has a good understanding of who to go to for what, but just reach out. If you think there's something that might be compliance related that you have a question on, reach out to the compliance department, call the compliance hotline. If you don't feel comfortable, maybe because sometimes things happen in the department that you perceive to be problematic. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And uh, we can keep you anonymous, truthfully. So yeah, any method you wanna reach out, if you think you have a general question, reach out. And if it's not us, we'll get you to the right people.
2: Absolutely, we will always help direct you to the right person. And like Ryan said, if you ever just get that weird feeling that you're not sure if something is or is not compliant, we always have resources available to you on my ProMedica under shared services departments. You'll find compliance and privacy. You can find all of the contact information there, including the compliance officers to reach out to including that hotline, which is an anonymous option. And then as well on the hub, you can find the corporate compliance page there that includes all of those appropriate contact information as well.
3: Has anyone ever contacted you and like you got a good save or a good catch? Yes. (laughs) Can you share in vague terms? Well,
1: I mean... It's hard to do. I mean, because sometimes, sometimes serious things do arise that, you know, can eventually involve some some issues for that provider from a licensure perspective. Definitely, you know, from a billing perspective, it it can and does happen. And that is still, you know, we're trying to say we're proactive, we're approachable, we are all those things. But, you know, we, we do have to make sure we, we try to protect everybody. But you'd rather us catch it and try to fix it mm-hmm. than the OIG or another enforcement body to come in, who OIG, like they come in, they got guns. I don't know why, because they're enforcing some kind of like for healthcare. It's like any kickback, like we're not armed here, you know, but they'll come in and it's worse. You know, you get the federal government, you know, prosecutors yeah. and OIG, that's that's no fun. So to, to that end, it's much better if we work through something than it to become more of a public matter. But it does happen on occasion. We will get an anonymous call and it'll be problematic. Yeah. So is your team armed? I don't know. No, no, no <laughs> we're not. <laughs> good to know.
0: And yeah. I
2: I do feel the need to call out that. Prometica does have a strict non-retaliation policy yeah. in place as well. So if you ever report something in good faith, you will be protected and you will not be retaliated against.
0: And that's our HRO culture. Mm-hmm. It really is pervasive across all things, which is fantastic. And to your point, if you see something that's you know, you're know you questioning or you're suspicious of, yeah, call. because. It doesn't hurt. The sooner we get on top of that, the better. We don't, none of us want to be associated with something like that.
3: So you said compliance week is coming up. So tell us about that. Yes. November
2: 6th through 12th, we have the corporate compliance and ethics week. And during that week, we will be highlighting some of the things that we do as the compliance department, calling out our compliance officers just to make sure that you're aware of who they are, who to contact if you do ever have those questions, and just so you can recognize those faces and names. And additionally, this year, we will be releasing our Compliance 101 On Demand, which will be a tool for new managers or existing managers to take at their own leisure. It will be a short 30 to 40 minute module. That you can complete to get a general overview of the laws and regulations that govern our healthcare industry. So it will be a nice short module that you can take, like I said, whenever you want, at home, at work, just to make sure that you're aware of what to be aware of as a and manager. And that turns out in November. Yes, it will be out in November, November sixth through twelfth, and we this can get year.
3: that um, through HealthStream
2: My Learning. Yes, you will go to find it in the My Learning catalog.
0: What do you guys do to unwind after that? You'd mentioned something about your musical
1: taste. I want to hear about that, and then obviously want to hear about Janelle. Siquel. You're
3: mostly listening to lullabies recently, aren't you?
1: Yeah. So I have a he's closer to three than two and a half. So I have a two and a half year old boy, and I have a three month old boy as well. So yeah, lullabies. Sometimes they, they got versions of music that I actually like in lullaby version. That's kind of interesting. They they're doing that quite a bit. Um, yeah. Unwinding. I like to exercise. I also play guitar. i always, music's always been a big part of my life. I do like a lot of different kinds of music. I, everyone says that, but like something when I'm working, I like to listen to jazz. Like I grew up playing trumpet and jazz and stuff like that. I play guitar to this day. Did like the garage band thing in high school, you know. <laughs> so music's big. Exercise is big. And just, I mean, really getting outdoors. All the things we just talked about is us in front of a computer, pretty much. And mm-hmm. that's not always great to do all day, every day. So... Getting up and moving around is something that is good for the mind and the body for sure.
2: This is something that we agree on. We talk about it quite a bit, actually. We do. How we unwind and the best way to do so. My big thing lately is talk therapy. I have been doing weekly therapy appointments, and it has really changed my life. It is something that I've always known would be good for me to do. But after this pandemic and going through some health issues, it is really just something that I recommend everybody do. Just get a non-biased person and just talk. (laughs) You know, it's refreshing to hear you say
3: that because I think that even though we talk so much that, you know, get rid of the stigma of mental health, we don't hear enough people say, like, I'm going to counseling or I'm going to therapy or I'm doing talk therapy because I still think that even though we say that we're getting rid of the stigma, that is still underlying out there so it is very refreshing to hear you say that yes
2: i recommend it to everybody if you're out there and you think that it means that something's wrong with you it does not everybody needs this and if you're somebody that thinks maybe i'll just call and make the appointment do it. It's a great thing to do. Just take that little step for yourself. And even if it's just getting outside and walking for a half hour without any music, that's also something that I do to wind down when I don't have my therapy appointments coming. Just treat yourself right. You deserve it.
0: That's well said. We always say, right, success occurs with self-awareness, right? And uh, so the more self-aware you are, that's just got to be unbelievably beneficial yes. in so many things in life. But so, so appreciative of you bringing that up. And it's so true. And we've seen, right? I mean, we're seeing significant behavioral health issues coming out of COVID. And not just in people. It doesn't mean that someone has a mental health issue, but I think what we're seeing after So many, you know, couple years of people in different environments and handling things in a different capacity. We're seeing a lot more violence at the workplace, Mm -hmm. harassment, whatnot. Not just, you know, not necessarily patients and staff, but a lot of times it's family members and staff. When, you know, we're all at a breaking point, it's been very stressful. We've been at capacity for a couple of years. certainly a lot of pressure on everybody involved. and I think that advice is really, really sage for for everybody is what we've been through in the last couple of years.
2: One more thing is when you go to those appointments, you might not find the therapist that works for you the first time around. There are many therapists out there and if you go to somebody and you feel like you just aren't clicking with them, there's absolutely nothing wrong with changing to a different therapist. So I just want to throw that out there as yeah, well. Well
1: said. <laughs> And another thing, too, and if you want to take steps towards that or that feels like for me, one thing I did during the pandemic is even like self-improvement type stuff that maybe not. I mean, if you need therapy, absolutely search it. But if you're still maybe don't know how to pursue that or you kind of want to do some things sort of on your way there, I don't even know if I'm making sense. But one Mm -hmm. one thing I did is I took a strategic planning for life course. And the beginning of that was really like life philosophy, finding out who you are, what's your personality, what are your strengths you know, what's made you to this day. And you kind of dig into like some things that might've happened when you were younger that has really like dictated on how you live your life. And it's, you just get in like this default state
0: well, and even just gaining awareness, and I know we've done this a couple of times with our teams at Jobs, the predictive index that Prometica subscribes to, Dana Damsky's mm-hmm. team and employee assistance program, work through that. And the great thing about it is not so much that you gain a lot of insight into yourself with that, but when you go through it with a group, you gain a lot of insight into others. And more importantly, you understand your nuances and how you respond to things initially and where you're prone to go and also where they are. And I think it helps you work better with people as well and better as a team.
3: Yeah, I just went to the OSU's third annual wellness summit for healthcare providers. And Dr. Neha Sagwan, I think I said that right, was there. And she did this whole thing on burnout what it means moral injury moral distress and she actually had us all she has like she divides you up she talks about the burnout triad and how you need to handle that and so she breaks you up into your work style the doer the thinker i forgot the other two because i'm the thinker but uh, the feeler which i am not the feeler at all people that know me know that very well but the dreamer (laughs) she puts you like she called you up on stage and before she described what this person was like she just pointed out everybody that was standing at there's their body language. And so, like, the doer, they were all, like, sitting, standing at the front of the stage on the balls of their feet, like, ready to go because they're going to get it done. They're going to do it today. They got a task. They're going to get it done. Like, they were very... very- the thinkers were more reserved. They have both their feet pointed in different ways because mm. they just don't know. What, these are more of your quality and data people. The feelers, they were all real close together and like not taking up very much space. And so like it was amazing about how she would describe their body language when they first got up there. And then they would say, this is how you do your work every day. This is how you get burned out and then this is what you need to do to take more of a stance and get less burned out because you're constantly in this motion. It was eye opening and kind of made me think about that when you said your self strategic planning is that knowing yourself and like how you do it is the only way that you can get out of that I'm being my own burnout. and doing that self-care she has a couple books she's coming out with a new one and it was it was just so eye-opening and everybody on stage when she would describe it they would all be like their faces looking at each other like i can't believe she just she nailed us (laughs) she
2: read me yes yes she was
3: amazing and she was she's a physician that she got burnt out she was seeing like i don't know 26 patients a day as a hospitalist and one nurse she said um she gave the same order to four times and then the nurse said are you okay and she's like, well, yeah, why? And she's like, because you just given me that order four times. And I said, okay, all four times. And then that's when she took like a mental health break. And that's when she started really learning about burnout. And no one teaches you about that. No. No one teaches you about that. And then went on to kind of just say the catastrophic effects it's having on the healthcare industry. Military has always been the number one burnout and suicide as a profession, career. Healthcare has exceeded that this year as wow. far as um, suicide.
2: Uh, Jeez.
3: And then this was not just for nursing. This was, we had risk managers there, we had data abstractors there. Pharmacists are just like skyrocketing with leaving the profession. And then we're not being able to retain or recruit because no one wants to go into it. So it's just crazy. And how important self care is. It is so important. Oh my gosh! So we went off on a way big tangent. That be, but it,
0: thanks for we Janella. never do I that. that I love that. Yeah. By the way, That's we a, never do that. It's
3: what I'm most passionate about right now. Absolutely. That's yeah. Fantastic. Well, we need people passionate about it that. Means like to be. I left that conference. Like, oh my god, we need to get her. I thought I would be a doer, but then like, when she was going through it, I was like, oh, I'm more of a thinker. But probably there was another one, and there was an associated animal and car. So like the feeler was a minivan because they need to have all their people with them. Oh
1: my Interesting.
3: gosh! Yes, I'll send you the I'll send oh, yeah. you the sheet, totally yes, please. In
1: this. I love. This uh, I'm but gonna she, need that book.
2: Eventually.
3: The first ten minutes of her speaking, though, I am not a feeler at all. I do not have very I would say exuberant emotions. I'm kind of a independent, a like a surgeon. heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But in the first I'm 10 minutes of, of not
0: her That's okay.
3: keynote, like I was teary eyed. Yes. And like she just grabbed you right in and about how the industry of healthcare and what we're doing to our people because and leaders, leaders are responsible because they do not lead by example when it comes to self care. She like did a thing like raise your hand if you have more than 40 or four weeks of vacation in your bank right now. And literally, almost the entire room raised their hand. Now I yep. know people that as soon as they get eight hours, they're like, "I'm taking a day off."
1: Some people, but that's fewer and further in between. That's yeah, kind of the American yeah. way.
3: Yeah, we're just trained like yeah. keep going.
2: Put the, the head down and
1: power through. Yep. Yep.
2: Attendance awards in school. Yeah,
1: like, yep. that's what's mm, yeah <laughs> for sure. coming <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a strength to have that self-awareness. Like life changed, and you're seeing all these things. Like if things are getting worse, why don't we do something different to make it better? If we keep doing what we're doing now, it, doesn't get better so
3: that's
2: almost like a freeing
1: thing like it's if you look at it one way it's sad it's overwhelming but it's freeing if you want to change
3: i just you know you always get kudos for oh you're such a hard worker you work so much you're you're just always here you know so much and like that was kind of like oh yeah i'm gonna stay a hard worker yes and then you find yourself and when she's talking about the triad of burnout and then the phases so like you know you're pie you adapt and then it's like a slow steady hill and then it levels off and then it just like a dramatic sharp to ineffectiveness. Uh, I've never been that touched by a speaker in the first few wow. minutes like well, that. S-
0: send me that stuff because especially from a burnout perspective, yeah. That would be yeah, she really welcome. Amazing. I think Absolutely. they're definitely support administratively for that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: All right. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really caught. it, a, usually we do not spend this long talking, so.
1: Well, no, we, we're we a little out of compliance with that. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> hey, you That's know what? Everything in moderation, including moderation. Right? Yeah, so Casper always has to
3: get his one-line pun in there. I
0: only had a couple them. Yeah,
3: you no, know, we have you to have, have that. Up. It's not our podcast without it.
0: <laughs> so he's the funny one. Yeah, funniest guy I know. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> that's great thanks for having us this is awesome yeah Yeah, we really really appreciate it
0: well thanks for all you guys do really for the organization right you protect us from ourselves sometimes not because Mm -hmm. we're misguided but a lot of times you get an idea it's great you want to run with it but you gotta gotta be in compliance make sure you're doing it right yeah really safe and I love you know the fact that you know your team seems very broad-based approachable and the hotline idea I think is a great idea and that's gonna kind of keep us moving forward Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Ratings and comments on those platforms will help us grow the podcast and we appreciate the boost. Take Take care.
3: care.